Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. This is The Coach's Show, and I am Russ Steinberg. This week, we have an interview for you with the head coach of the Furman Paladins, Bob Ritchie. We talked with Coach Ritchie about the incredible season that Furman just had, perhaps their best in school history. They were ranked for a lot of the first half of the year, did really well in SOCON play, went to the NIT, look back on this past season, and then talk about what is still to come for Furman and really the SOCON in general. So I hope you enjoy. Coming off of what was a really uh, successful year for you guys, going 25-8 and eight overall, going to the NIT, wondering if you could just kind of reflect on the year. What, what will you remember from this team that made you guys so successful? Yeah, you know, it was, it was a great year for this for this group and uh, for our program and, and a historic year in a lot of different ways. This group was able to do a lot of things for the first time in school history. And, uh, you know, a couple of those being obviously the most wins ever and uh, also the first time ever being ranked in the top 25. And, you know, to, to have a win at Villanova and the wins at Loyola and uh, to be as competitive as we were in our league that was, you know, as, as good as it's ever been. Uh, they just, you know, first time ever hosting an NIT game and, you know, first time in NIT or NCAA postseason since 1991. It, w- it was just a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we started to see it about this time last year and going into the summer when we were doing a lot of our preseason work that there was just there was really little ego on this team. And uh, it was a team that really wanted to connect. And uh, they played for each other. They did it on both ends of the floor. They came to work every day to get better. And, uh you know, it was just, it was a lot of fun. It was just a lot of fun to coach them. It was a lot of fun to be around them. And, and we, we had, we had, it was, it was a great journey through the year. Um, I know you said that you could start to see it around this time last year, but were you able to possibly imagine this would be a team that would go win at Villanova would start 12 and hour? Did that even take you by surprise a little bit? You know, I mean, I think a lot of people, knowing we, we lost a ton from the past year. And uh, my first year as head coach, we had three seniors that started in the backcourt, and then we had a fourth senior coming off the bench for us. And we were very old. And, you know, we lost 50% of our production from that team. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that we would we would regress a little bit off of that 23-win team. But, you know, it, it was just – it was a group that was hungry. It was a group that was very deliberate in their improvement and uh, just just really wanted to get better each and every day. And so, you know, we started a freshman, two sophomores, a junior and a senior. And so, you know, six of the nine that were in the rotation were underclassmen. And so I don't think a lot of people necessarily saw it, but as we progressed through the offseason and started to get into the preseason, we, we, could, we could see reason for hope and reason for optimism. You know, you're never going to predict going 12-0 to start the season just because how good teams are and how good programs and coaches are. But we knew we knew we were going to put ourselves in position to have a good year. Yeah, and one of the um one of the big reasons why you had such a great year, I know you were young, but your senior Matt Rafferty uh, emerged as really one of the best big men in, in the entire country, not just in, in your league. Uh, what what was it like coaching him and, and what's next in uh in his career? Well, Matt, Matt's just agreed uh, to terms with an agent and uh, is going to go and play overseas and hopefully have a long career over there. You know, that's the first thing you need if you want to have a great team is you've got to have great leadership. And uh, 
Matt really evolved as a leader. He really stepped it up as a leader over time. And I thought, I thought his leadership for this team and this program was exceptional this year. And, you know, he, he's just a warrior on the court. He does anything it takes to win. He's, he's probably six, seven and a half, 216 pounds when he's playing. He's not the biggest five man that you've ever seen, but he's one of the smartest and, and he's one of the most competitive that I've ever been around. And, uh, you know, just understood the game. He really understood the game on both ends of the floor and uh, could, could anticipate well, really understood offense. We were able to play a lot of concepts with him. And then defensively, he, he was the quarterback of our defense. He really understood coverages and rotations and, you know, really, really helped those younger guys as, as they started to get more accustomed to the way that we needed to play defense. And so, uh, you know, when you, when you have a guy that's all about the team and all about winning, those, those, are, those are really, you know, you, you hear a lot about that, but to actually see it and to experience it in this day and age is really hard because, you know, there's, there's a very individualistic element to our, our game right now. And, um, you know, a lot of people play it to see what they can get out of it. But when you, when you have your leader and your best player that really plays it to see what the team can get out of it and is very mission-driven, that usually flows down your organization, and we were fortunate enough to have that happen to us this year. Yeah, it, it's almost like a, a cliche. It, it comes up so often when people talk about, you know, a, a senior leader or a junior, I wouldn't want to leave uh, Jordan Lyons out of this either. But when you have guys who play so hard that the younger guys kind of take on that mentality and take on that approach, is, is that what you saw as the younger guys watched them work? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're around our, our leadership, and, and you know, Matt obviously was the, the head of the snake, so to speak. But Andrew Brown, another four-year player that was, that was a that just always did the right thing, always practiced correctly, always played really, really hard, very unselfish himself. And then you have Jordan Lyons, that really probably was our our most vocal leader of the group. He he was kind of the, you know, he was as I always told him, he was. He, he was the thermometer in terms of just, you know, gauging our temperature and just, you know, if we, if, if he was, if he was really upbeat and he was really connected and engaged and using his vocal, that always aided in our leadership. And, and, you know, I remember the Villanova game, just, just vivid moments of him during timeouts and just, just speaking and talking to our team. And, you know, I think anytime you have that where the message is being communicated throughout the organization, it's being echoed by the players it really brings that alignment that you need. And then all of a sudden, young guys buy into it. This is the way we got to play. This is the way we got to practice. This is the way we have to go about our business. You know, you just, you just get that oneness to you. And, and it's what we all fight for as coaches. But we were, we were really able to see that this year. And, um, you know, it's exciting because now, now our, our young players that had to play a good amount this year were really, they, they got to see that. They were inundated with it, and they got to they got to witness it. So now they get to carry it on. They get to go try to do it even better. And uh, it's just it's 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 what you need to have if you want to establish a program. And that's definitely what we're trying to build here. Yeah, and, and then another person you mentioned him briefly, who I, from what I've heard, it really played a role in that this year was was Andrew Brown. This guy started six games, played. 26 average to about seven and three for you, but he had a really uh, uh, crazy journey uh, back onto the course this year after, for listeners who might not know, having a, a near-death experience um, yep. in the hospital after what was supposed to be a routine surgery complications from that. What, what was it like watching his road back um, from, you know, almost dying to being back on the court? 
Yeah, so so that that happened about a year ago now. It's about it's about right yeah. now when all that happened. He had he had a hernia that 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 they discovered during the season last year, and uh, you know he was going to get that fixed, and it was a very routine operation, and uh, something slightly went awry with it, and so um, it w- it was a situation where fortunately they caught it just in time uh, before basically you know he, his his kidneys started to shut down and, and before he became septic. And so, you know, they were able, they were able to, to get him right, but it was a hard road. And, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of nights and days in the hospital. And, you know, it was, it was a very rigorous process, but he's as tough as they come as well. And, uh, you knew he was going to figure out a way to get through it. You knew he was going to fight and the team really jumped in that journey with him. And there were many nights that our players were at the hospital. They were by his side and, uh, you know, we didn't know how quickly he would get back out on the court, but to none of our surprises, he was back out there faster than anybody would have expected. He got back out on the court about mid-June and uh, ended up getting to do about 60% of the summer with us and then goes home, you know, in the middle of August and is just in the gym trying to stay in shape and fractures his foot. And so, uh, you know, he's got to deal with a fractured foot and he's out for a little bit. He gets cleared right right as we're about to start scrimmaging and, uh, you know, goes through a preseason scrimmage, goes and plays our first game in the opener here, and then in the Loyola game right before halftime, refractures the foot. And so then he had to set out again. And so the amount of adversity that he had to go through and the amount of perseverance that he had to display through the course of the year uh, but to, but to to remain engaged and and to continue to fight and to continue to be a great teammate and and to have all that going for him during his senior year is pretty remarkable uh, just to see him endure all that. But he's he's got big things ahead of him. He's a he's an unbelievable person and uh, unbelievable teammate, and we were fortunate fortunate to have him here in our program. Yeah, um, absolutely, and I, I imagine. The, the underclassmen watching him deal with adversity the way that he did uh, probably had had a major effect on the team. And you're, you're, return, you're still returning a lot next year. Um, also bringing in a recruiting class that seemed like you're pretty excited about. Um, just looking at some of the things that you said about um, your incoming freshmen, I'm just wondering what you think guys like uh, Marcus Foster, Colin Kenny, and Johnny Lawrence are going to bring to the team? Yeah, you know, we returned four starters, and uh, that's that's a little bit different than last year. We only returned basically, um, you know, two long-term starters. Jordan started starting towards the end of his sophomore year. But uh, we returned four starters, and Alex Hunter and Jordan Lyons and Clay Mounts and Noah Gurley, those guys have won a lot of games, and uh, – so, you know, it's going to be highly competitive. Obviously, those guys want to continue to enhance their game. And then an open competition for that fifth starting spot that's going to go all preseason, all offseason, and just, you know, figuring out the best way that we need to play. And then you're going to throw in three freshmen there. But it's been, it's been fun, you know, even to see our postseason. Our guys are really working hard. And, you know, Mike Bothwell's really made a jump. Jalen Slauson's made a jump. Trey Clark's made a jump. Jalen Pugh's made a jump. All those guys have really made some strides this offseason. And then, and then you add the three freshmen. And, uh, you know, Colin Kenny, I think he was in the top ten in Indiana in scoring this year and is going to bring a very dynamic element to the to the guard spot. He can play the one and the two, but he's really good with the ball in his hands. He can really, really score the ball. So 
you know, we anticipate him coming in and playing for some minutes early and uh, competing for some early playing time. And then Johnny Lawrence, you know, his, his dad played at Florida. He's 6'9", 6'10". He's, he's, he's starting to really put on to his frame a little bit. He's really skilled, can really, really shoot it, which we like. And, uh, you know, we want to have as, as versatile bigs as we can. We really want to space the floor with our bigs and uh, open up the paint for cuts and drives. And so, you know, to add a guy with his size that can shoot it from the edges that well is very exciting. And then, uh, you know, Marcus is one that, you know, Marcus is, is a, first of all, he's a great personality. But, um, you know, he's young. He, he actually skipped a grade when he was younger in elementary school. And so his, his age is a year younger than everybody else. And so he's about 6'4 with almost a 7-foot wingspan right now. And so his length, you know, this is, this is a game of length and movement. And, you know, so his length is going to be something that's very, very good for us. And um, his, his best basketball is ahead of him. I mean, he's really made strides in his game over the past year. And what he's going to be able to do and how we're going to be able to enhance him once he gets here, uh, we're really looking forward to his future and what he's going to be as a paladin. Uh, you have, uh seems like a, a bunch of different guys who are going to be competing. Uh, for minutes, ultimate goal next year, as as it is every year, I'm sure, is the NCAA tournament to be able to do damage there. What's going to have to happen for this team to reach its potential? Well, I mean, the obvious, you know, the first thing we're going to have to do is replace Matt Raffrey's production, and uh, it's not going to be by one person. It's going to be, it's going to have to be by committee, and you know, we're going to have to. You know, even this year's team, as good as we were, the Achilles Hill was our ability to rebound the ball. And um, and, and we're going to have to really address that. You know, that's going to be something that we've got to do better as a team. It's got to be something that I've got to do a better job as a coach of really coaching that and making sure that, you know, we have the ability to rebound the ball better this this year coming up. And, um, you know, we, we, we obviously we were first in the league in defense. we got to continue to make sure that we understand that, that it all starts with our defense and then, you know, offensively, we were good this year, but I think we can even I think we can even be better. You know, two years ago we were a little bit better offensively than we were this past year. But I think I think, you know, taking care of the ball, reducing turnovers a little bit, and shooting it a little bit better from the edges. We we, we shot a lot of threes this year, but I think I think in some of those bigger games, you know, not not having the stretches where we couldn't hit those perimeter shots, I think is gonna be really really critical for this team next year that we're a little bit more consistent from the perimeter because we've got the shooters and, and we've got guys that can really make those shots. And I think with another year of experience, uh, they're going to have more confidence to where, you know, you take it from a 36, 37% three-point shooting team and go to a 40%. That sounds like a small difference, but it's a huge difference when you get in some of these big games. And, um, and so there's, there's a couple of different elements that we've identified that we've got to grow as a team. We've got to grow as a program. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're hard at work on those things right now to be deliberate and uh, in, in our way to improve and making sure that we have a, an urgency and an immediacy to that. But, um, you know, this team's got enough. I mean, they, they, we've, we've got some talent and we've got some experience and we've got young guys that are eager to show what they can do. And um, I've been really, really pleased these, these last three or four weeks of our, our spirit to get better. And uh, I think we've got to keep that through the offseason. Yeah, there's no question there's going to be a lot expected of you, of the team next year. This will be your third season as the head coach, the third full season as head coach. Um, Coming off of what was already a very successful stretch at Furman before that, how has it 
been taking over as a head coach and kind of maintaining that momentum that the program had before and, and building it? You know, it's really the fun of it. You know, the fun of this is the journey. And, um, you know, a lot of times you're, you're always chasing to be better. You're always chasing to improve. And, you know, just to be able to look back and see the ascension and to see where we've come from, you know, five years ago, being in the, you know, the 300s and the RPI, you know, to basically in the last four years winning 91 games. And, um, you know, and, and so – those, those, that's, that's a lot of fun to be able to see that and to be able to see the steps and to be able to see the growth. And, and now it's, you know, it's about continuing it and, and sustaining it. And, and that's, that's a lot of times the hardest part in our business is making sure that you never get comfortable, you never get complacent. You're always trying to identify areas to improve. You're always trying to push everything forward because a lot of times when you have that success, you know, it, it can sneak into your organization that we figured it out and we found a way. And then, and then you lose your edge and you lose your chip and you, you lose your desire to improve. And so we've got to continue to fight that. And, and we've got to make sure that we're pushing the organization forward from all angles and uh, that we don't allow any form of complacency to creep in. And, you know, if we do that, we're going to, we're going to, we, we've got, we, we've got a ton here. We're very fortunate. We're in Greenville, South Carolina, which is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. We've got one of the top 10 nicest campuses in the country. We've got a top 50 liberal arts degree, and we've got a winning program right now that's got a very, very good culture and that's developing people and developing players. And so, you know, we've, we've, got, we've got a lot to be thankful for here. And um, we've got to come to work every day with, with a certain amount of energy and passion, and uh, we've got to keep investing into these people. And uh, we're all going to be excited where this thing's going to, you know, continue to push forward in the future. One thing that, that, that has helped, at least, this season um, is that to this point, the guys who were underclassmen or juniors who contributed are all, they all plan on returning. Uh, It's not the case everywhere. Uh, I'm sure there have been a a million stories written about how the number of transfers in division one basketball continues to rise. It's got to be especially difficult as a coach at this, level knowing that you know if you have a really good player maybe they're going to look at a major pro uh, a high major program it has has the rise in transfers in this game changed your approach at all and is it something that you have to think about a little bit more you know i don't think so and uh anybody that knows me they might they might think that's just due to my stubbornness but i think i think that it's very important that we stick to identity and i think it's very easy in, in, in today's time to look across around and behind and see, Hey, look, who's doing it all this way. And then you get into it and you say, well, if they're going to do it that way, we need to do it that way. But I think, I think if you do that, you lose conviction. And um, we've, we've prided ourselves on being a developmental program. We've, we've prided us, ourselves on growing people and not, not necessarily having ready-made people that we've got to go, we got to go build them. We got to go grow them. And, and we like our formula and we like the way we do it. And so I almost think there's a chance this thing could end up circling back in, in a favorable manner for us. And what I mean by that is, you know, as everybody looks for the next transfer, you know, will the market potentially oversaturate itself to a point that we're able to even get a better high school player than normal because everybody's eyes are directed elsewhere and we can continue to grow and continue to develop. And now we're getting old a different way. And, and we're doing it through retention, and we're doing it through growth, and we're doing it through development, and, and everybody else is doing it a, a different way. Uh, can, can we kind of set our niche? And, and I think that's what we're going to try to do 
as opposed to try to, to go on with the norm, we're going to try to find our differentiators and, and figure out the niches and, and, and the, the unique ways that we can build our program here and, and stay true to our convictions. You, you mentioned it a couple of times about developing players throughout their time at Furman. Um, I would imagine that helps, uh, as far as players seeing themselves improve year in and year out, helps in keeping them on campus uh, rather than looking elsewhere. And it, now that you're out, I, I'm sure you're out recruiting this weekend. Is there is, is there something about that that you look for in a high school player that, uh, room and, and willingness to to keep working through four years? Big part of what we look for. And, uh, you know, we're not looking for we, – we don't want to ask ourselves how good are they. We want to ask ourselves how good will they be. And so we've got to figure out do they have a desire to grow? Do they have a desire for feedback? Do they have a desire to get better every single day? And so when we find those people and, they, and they've got the passion – to be their best and they've got the work ethic to get in the gym and to get in the film room and to make sure they're complete. Those, those players really flourish here and it gives them an opportunity to bloom where they're planted. And, and I think it's a big part of what we do. We've, we've got, we've got to find the, the, the right clay. We got to find the people that want to be molded and we got to figure out, okay, do they just want to come in and, and just experience all the glory of college basketball or do they really want to come in here and grow? And um, and we sort that out. We're pretty we're pretty hard on it. And if we see some indicators that we've identified and processes that don't work here, uh, we're quick to get out. And um, but when we do find the right makeup and we find the right people, they usually flourish here. And you can really see that in this past year. I mean, if you go look at the two year comparisons, you know, go look at Alex Hunter's numbers two years ago to compare to this past year. Go look at Clay Mounts two years ago to this past year. Go look at Matt Rafferty two years ago this past year. I mean, you, you can see Jordan Lyons, you see all the growth and you see the production that's, that's increasing. And a lot of times in college basketball, you don't see that as much now. You just see kind of, you see guys kind of plateau out. You know, they put up this amount of points and they shoot this percentage and it kind of stays pretty steady. But um, our guys, our guys grow and uh, we, we, we've got to continue to do that and we will continue to do that. So then along those lines, I'll, if I could just throw a uh, player's name at you, Jordan Lyons, how, how is he going to have to grow from this year to next year? You know, Jordan's a big-time shooter, and uh, he, he's got tremendous courage. He's got great belief. And I think his his whole focus this year is, you know, he was able – this year he grew in a lot of ways. He put the ball on the ground better. Uh, he was able to get to the rim and finish versus some pressures. And uh, really the main part of his growth is – he, he just needs to focus on making sure he's as efficient as he can be, especially from the perimeter. He's a 40% guy. There's no doubt in my mind. The numbers just haven't shown it yet, and a lot of that is just just having the disciplines on every shot to shoot it the right way and with the right discipline and making sure that selection's correct, and then going out there and being free and shooting them. And uh, you know, it's he's. I think he was 32% this year. He jumps at the 40. Just, just alone, all right. That's going to be three or four points. It's going to get him from a 16-point game guy to a 20-point game guy, and uh, and he's going to score more while he's being more efficient, and uh, probably taking the same amount of shots, if not, if not one or two less, but scoring more points, getting fouled a little bit more. And uh, but man, he grew this year. It was fun to watch. He grew as a defender. He grew as a leader. Uh, he grew as a finisher. He grew as somebody that was much more complete 
and uh, he's as motivated as any of them right now. I mean, he's in the gym all the time, and, and he wants to continue to push his game towards completeness. And, and how about Clay Mounts? Because now you have someone who's a, who's a sophomore at 6'7 and shooting 41% from three, and that's a great weapon for you to have. What do you expect to see from him this summer as he continues to develop? You know, the main thing with Clay, I just want to continue to, to, to see his confidence develop and his belief in himself grow. He, he's capable of doing whatever he wants on that basketball court. I mean, he's 6'7", and he can shoot it. He's athletic. He's smart. He understands the game. And, you know, this year a lot of his threes were in catch-and-shoot situations. He really benefited finished off of driving kicks and was really able to shoot a high, high percentage in catch-and-shoot situations. You know, coming in this next season, can we do more off a of screening action? You know, can he start to make threes off the bounce? Can we put him in some ball screen situations? Can he really can he really bring some versatility to his game offensively and make shots in multiple ways to where it's going to be really, really hard to guard him? And, uh, you know, I tell him all the time, he, he, he used to laugh at me, starting to believe it a little bit more, but he's got a game like a Gordon Hayward-type player. And, um, you know, I don't want him to put limiting, to limiting beliefs on how good he can be. There's just not many that are this tall and this athletic that have the skill set he has. So, you know, his, his development has been great. I think we can put a little bit more strength on him. I think we can get him a little bit stronger, get him to about 210, and, um, you know, move him all over the floor use his versatility to our advantage. And uh, I think he, I, I totally anticipate him being an all-conference player in this league next year. And then uh, last one I'll give you, how about Noah Gurley? Yeah, Noah's, Noah's, Noah's ceiling's as high as it gets. And, uh, you know, he's just a unique piece. He, he's a guy that really can play all over the floor. He's got a really good back-to-the-basket game that we weren't able to showcase a ton this year just because of, of – the minutes that Matt Rafferty played at that position, but his versatility, you know, it's, it's, it's really unique and he can go to the five he can go to the four and some situations he can go to the three is his ball skills are getting better. And, um, you know, we're, we're really looking forward in this off season to seeing how many different ways we can utilize him. And, um, you know, it's really unique when you, when you can set ball screens with a guy and play out of it and also take that set, that same guy, and, and put him in ball screen situations where he's actually using the ball. And, and, and so those are, those are the, the items that I look forward to being able to use with him. I think he's going to be our ultimate versatility weapon that we're able, whether it's the three-point line, whether it's the short corner, whether it's the elbow, whether it's the block, I think we're going to be able to move him all over the court and really make it a tough matchup. Uh, kind of stepping back, looking at your league as a whole, as you mentioned earlier, probably the best year it's ever had, uh, at least in its current configuration. What has it, what is it that's made the SOCON suddenly so successful? You know, I think there's, there's been a lot of programs being built. I think there's been a lot of continuity and um, I think there's been a lot of ways that coaches have just stuck with. And, and you look at, you look at Wofford, I mean, Mike Young was there forever and now obviously he's going to Virginia tech, but it took him a, a while to get that thing going, and then he got it going. He's just kind of stayed the course there. They know they knew who they were. They knew what they needed to do recruiting-wise. They built belief. They built a program. And then same thing kind of at Greensboro. You know, Wes has been there a while now, probably, what, eight, nine years. And uh, they've kind of been playing the same way the past three or four years. They've stuck with it. They've, they've recruited around it. They've got an identity. And then even even similar for us. I mean, I was I was on – Nico's staff here for four years, and, uh, you know, we started to put 
our identity together, and we've we've stuck to it and crystallized it a little bit, you know, and and we've we've played similarly defensively and offensively, and so then you got programs and you got continuity, and then these programs get good and they get internal belief and they think they're really really good, and you know it just and then you got you know ETSU Coach Forbes has been there, you know, and and he's been winning there, and they got they've got. Obviously, they're usually one of the bigger teams in the league and uh, one of the more athletic teams in the league. And They play really, really hard, really, really physical. And so they've got their identity, right? And so I think that's what's happened is you've got – these programs aren't really changing. It's just they're just getting better and they're refining. And, um, and so when you have that, you give yourself a chance to build a program, you get yourself a chance to set your culture, you get buy-in, you get belief, and then all of a sudden you've got these teams that are just producing a lot of wins. Yeah, the coaching at, at in this league, I think, has been something that people have realized is really outstanding. So what's it like going up every night against West Miller, Steve Forbes, Mike Young? Go go on on down the line. It's, it's full of really good coaches. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun, and that's as competitors. That's kind of how we're wired. You know, we we want to compete against the best, and uh, you know, I mean, I I tell you what, there's there's every single team in this league has a good coach right now. And, um, you know, you go, you go play a VMI and they're going to have some great spacing concepts and, and, you know, ball movement concepts with cutting and shooting. And, uh, you know, you go play Citadel and they've got their fast pace up and down, you know, nonstop action. Uh, this year, Bob Hoffman, I mean, they're going to have 65, 70 actions, very unique how they played offensively, very, very hard to guard. You know, Scott Pageant at Sanford. I mean, you go down the line, Mark Prosser, and, uh, you know, obviously you've got, you've got, uh, Lamont at, at Chattanooga and they're getting their, they're getting their culture set and they're getting their talent in. And so every night it's something. And, um, you know, you're seeing all kind of different styles and see all kind of different schemes and it just makes it a lot of fun. It challenges you to be your best as a coach. You got to be locked in and, uh, you know, you got to make sure you have your team prepared because there are no gimmies. Yeah. Now you're still a, uh, a- relatively new as, as a head coach, what have you learned from either other coaches in um, in your league or from coaching under Nico for so long? You know, I try to, I try to pride myself on being a life learner and uh, I try to learn every single day and whether it's through reading, through film study, through being around people that are better than me, I always, always try to learn. And uh, you know, you're never going to arrive. Never, at least you don't want to, you want to always be chasing something more and something better and so, uh, you know, I've had great mentors. You know, one that's kind of like a father to me is Lenny Acuff, who just got the Lipscomb job. And uh, he's helped me as much as anybody in this transition of being a head coach. If, if I've needed something or I've, if I've been stuck in something, he's usually the one I'll call. And uh, he's just been gracious to me. He's really helped me in a lot of ways. He's really helped me offensively. And uh, But there's, there's a number of them. You know, Nico was a great boss for me for four years, and he's somebody that I still lean heavily on. We talk all the time. He and I are really, really close friends. Our wives are close. I mean, he's he's kind of like an older brother to me. And uh, you know, he taught me a lot about just program management. He's uh, he's just a he, he has a he was very calculated in all his decision making, and uh, just really, really was big on just making sure the culture was right, making sure we had the right people, and and being convicted in our schemes. And you know, taught me a ton defensively, and uh, just just how we operated and, and just how we had our defensive growth. And we still talk a ton about that, but I've watched, you know, Rick Bird from afar has been one I've always admired. Uh, John Beeline's one that I've always admired. And then I've got some other close friends, you know, Mike White's been tremendous for me. 
and my transition to head coach at Florida. And, and so I could go on and on and on just about all the great people that I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to rub shoulders with and to be able to lean on and uh, to be able to grow from. All right. I'm sure you have to uh, head out onto the recruiting trail this weekend. So I'll let you go. I want to thank you so much, though, for doing this. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'll talk with you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. Bye. All right, everybody, thank you for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. We hope you enjoyed this edition of The Coaches Show. Next week, we will be right back here with the head coach of Missouri State, Dana Ford. Until then, we'll remind you, if you enjoyed this, please make sure to rate and review us. And subscribe if you haven't already. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. So we will talk to you next week when we have Coach Ford here. Until then, I am Russ Steinberg. Have a great rest of your week.